Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 43 of All This and World War II. We're in the Castle Vladistopol section of the adventure, uh, where our heroes have gone to Romania to seek out a super weapon that the Nazis possess and are soon to use in an attack on the Allies. Last time we talked about one option for getting into Castle Vladistopol, which is to go right up to it and enter either through an observation turret 500 feet up or through the front door, and in any case, end up walking down a long hallway where there is an undefeatable knockout trap. Today... As should be no surprise to anyone, what we get is another route through the adventure that inevitably leads to that same hallway, that same knockout trap, and the next chapter in which our heroes awaken to find themselves staring down a supervillain. On my first read-through of this book, as you can imagine, I was somewhat frustrated at this point after encountering my second unbeatable knockout trap, the third unbelievable Shift-X weapon possessed by these Nazis who supposedly were in need of super weapons from the future to win the war, but today that frustration crystallized in a very specific way as I was fuming about all the different options that this module denies the player characters. So let me take you quickly through what happens, and then I want to make my case. Because this book is a hypocrite. This book, I don't want to put this on the man who wrote it. Writing is hard, publishing is complicated. No aspersions on him, but this book is a fucking liar. Okay, so first things first. What if you decided to beat up the weather-checking Nazis, dress up as Nazis, steal their truck, and try to sneak into the castle? Well, instead of the bullshit we saw last time, they get some different bullshit in chapter 20, colon, Best Laid Plans. Here's the read-aloud text, quote, As you drive down the road, there is an explosion, and your path is suddenly blocked by a fallen tree. Almost immediately, you see scores of shadows leaping out of the woods. You hear a man scream something at you as he attacks. Now, these attackers are actually the resistance fighters that we encountered last time. Only this time, instead of seeing you knocking around in the woods in your costumes and recognizing you as allies and giving you info... Olaf sees you driving down the road, dressed in Nazi uniforms in a Nazi truck, and decides to attack you. Never mind that he is about to invade Castle Vladistopol and explicitly does not want to risk his men's lives before that plan goes off. He just couldn't resist beating up four Nazis in a truck who are out gathering routine meteorological data. So you run one regular round of combat, and then in the second round of combat, you can start trying to convince Olaf and his people that you're not really Nazis, you're superheroes. It says, quote, Olaf must make a poor intensity reason feat each round to recognize one of the invaders and realize his mistake. He will then immediately call off the attack and apologize. Now, this is kind of funny for the team that we're tracking today. I decided that the secret Zoomers decided to take the disguise approach here in Romania, similar to what the Zoomers team did in Hitler's secret bunker, where they had the idea of having slime time disguise themselves as a Nazi. So here are the Zoomers. The teens are hiding in the back of the truck. And in the front, we have the two invaders for this mission, Captain America and Union Jack, both of whom wear masks and costumes that cover almost their entire bodies. So with Cap and Union Jack in Nazi uniforms instead of superhero uniforms, for a guy who didn't recognize Captain America walking through the woods in his own costume, it's pretty amazing that Olaf, with a poor intensity reason feat, can look at this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, rando Nazi and be like, wait a minute, I know that chin dimple, that's Captain America. Or if he follows British media, I know those eyeballs, that's Union Jack. But anyway, you presumably convince Olaf to stand down, although you can if you want, at a cost of 25 karma, just kick his ass, just defeat the resistance and drive on. Anyway, he introduces himself and says all the same shit to you that he said in the previous scene. After that, you go to the castle, and for all your preparation, just nothing happens. Quote, 
The two sentries will approach the truck and look inside. If the heroes are wearing German uniforms, the sentries will salute, Heil Hitler, and open the gate for the truck to pass. The sentries won't bother to look in the back of the truck. If there's an incident, they fight you, just as they would have if you'd walked right up to the front door. If there's no incident, then you go right in, and there's no confrontation. And then, of course, quote, once the heroes are inside the castle, they will find themselves in a long, dark corridor, etc., etc. No indication here of um, how either Baron Zemo or whatever automated device he's set up to control the hastily constructed knockout laser, how they know like which Nazi soldiers to shoot with the knockout ray. I mean, I guess this implies that Zemo somehow knows that you are who you are, even if you're all disguised. And is able to recognize you at a glance, even in your Nazi uniforms, and shoot you. And that's if he's there in person shooting the laser, which I think he must be. Even though your senses cannot possibly detect him and he can't miss, etc., etc. If this is somehow automated, it makes even less sense that it has somehow been programmed in 1943, no less, to automatically deploy and shoot its lasers at four specific people. We don't really know very much about them. We don't really know what they're going to look like or sound like. We don't like have their DNA or anything like that. But just... You'll know them when you see them, laser. Anyway, you get knocked the fuck out. On to chapter 21. This is where our paths reconverge. Chapter 21, colon, blood curse. And here's the read aloud text. You wake to the sight of the German flag run up a long wooden pole in what appears to be a huge chamber within the castle. Behind you, a pair of large sliding metal doors are open to the outside, and a series of slingshot devices hold Nazi warplanes that are ready to be launched out into the sky. One of the slingshots holds a strange, sleek, saucer-shaped object. There is no question that the object is a weapon of war. Of course, it's a saucer. What would it be for but war? It must be your objective. The superweapon from the year 2146. Standing in front of you is top Nazi scientist Baron Zemo and 30 Nazi troopers. As he sees you regaining consciousness, the Baron begins to laugh. Suddenly, Zemo's laugh is cut short by a sharp voice. Whirling around, you are suddenly confronting Baron Blood the vampiric Nazi menace. When a supervillain's gloating gets interrupted by another supervillain's gloating, you know you're deep in the shit. Quote, We have not yet killed you because we want you to witness our greatest triumph. Blah. That's Baron Blood, by the way. Some of you have noticed a similarity between the voices of Nick Fury and M. Bison, forcing me to diversify my voice acting. So this is on you. What's happening with voices in this season? I blame the listener. But never mind that. My grudge against you, the listener, is nothing compared to the grudge that I bear this book, and I'll tell you why. As you probably picked up already by the fact that there are all these Nazi planes and this undoubtedly battle-ready saucer uh, hooked up to these slingshot devices and there are these big doors, this is a flight deck. It's a secret flight deck. This castle has a secret flight deck. It contains the super weapon from the future, and as is clearly established in the text, it has two giant metal doors leading directly outside. If we had been able to effectively case this castle and really find all of its entrances, I'm sure that we would have noticed the two giant metal doors, like big enough for planes to launch out of. I feel like we would have found them if we could have snuck around the castle and really took the whole thing in. Or when we talked to the Nazi weather squad and we got all that vital information about the layout of this castle, which appears to consist of one hallway and a set piece, uh, maybe they could have told us that, oh yeah, and by the way, from time to time, Eric here sees jet fighters launching from below his bedroom window on the third floor. Maybe that's something you should look into. I mean, I see that it's a secret flight deck, but if they do in fact ever launch vehicles from there, you couldn't help but notice if you worked in the building. That would have been handy, and if we'd known it was there, once again, we could have either snuck in from outside, or we could have snuck in from inside. If we knew roughly where it was, we could have snuck over and found it. If we had just straight up come up to the castle, 
as we did, just rock up with no particular plan, enter through whatever ingress seems most reasonable to us at the time, and then just sneak down the hallway past the hastily constructed ceiling-mounted knockout lasers, then maybe we could have uh, found this place just by kind of stealthing around the castle and snuck inside. In any of those scenarios, what we would have found if we had managed to sneak inside would have been a flight deck, sparsely guarded, most likely. There wouldn't have been a Baron Zemo, because we know Baron Zemo was uh, sitting, cackling silently to himself, waiting to hit us with aforementioned knockout lasers. If we'd given him the slip, he wouldn't have been here on the flight deck. Maybe Baron Blood would have been here. Like, probably not, but maybe he spends his time on the flight deck, just walking in circles around the super weapon. But if we hadn't been dragged up here unconscious, if he hadn't been informed of our presence, we could have snuck past him too. And the thing is, we didn't need to engage in any combat to succeed here. All we had to do was steal or disable the super weapon. That could have been done stealthily, then we could have gotten the hell out of there, we would have been done. If only we had a stealthy member on the team. Oh wait, we do. Please step with me into the podcast time machine and return to page six, where we get some advice on constructing superhero groups for this adventure. Quote, the heroes and their abilities should all complement each other. A powerful titan in battle armor is a great character, but an entire team of them is redundant. Try to strike a balance. Make sure there is, for example, one scientist, one stealth expert, and one muscle type in the group. A good hero team has plenty of brains, brawn, and everything in between. We were specifically instructed to make sure that there was a stealth expert on the team. I did this. I, I randomly generated characters for the three teams we've been following, Ford's Furies, the Misfits, and the Secret Zoomers, and I did a little draft where each team drafted different random characters because I took this book at its word and made sure that there was a scientist, a brick, and at least one stealth expert on every team, as best I could accomplish with the random selection of characters I rolled. When I got to this page and I realized that this whole thing only works, this whole Romanian leg of the adventure only works if we just take for granted that there is no way to know about, find, or sneak into the secret flight deck, I was frustrated because every team's got a stealth character. Why can't I have my stealth person do this? And then I started to think, in this entire adventure, has there ever been a situation where a stealth expert would come in handy? Is there any place in it where the mandatory stealth expert on the team and the poor motherfucker playing them would have been able to have any fun sneaking into anywhere to any advantage? So I made a list. Here is a complete listing of all the situations in this adventure in order, where being a stealth expert would or could be useful, along with some analysis of whether it actually is useful. Uh, scene number one. The stealth expert, like everyone else, has no ability to determine who penetrated the base or how or why to deliver that mysterious box. And also, like everyone else, the stealth expert has a history that's an open book to Nick Fury. Nick Fury knows almost everything about them, no matter how secretive they think they are. Uh, scene two. Taking a tour around the base in Albuquerque. Nick Fury won't tell you anything about Cavalier and won't take you to the relevant parts of the base to learn more. It's conceivable, I mean there's no mention of this, but it's conceivable that you could stealth out of your quarters and onto the base and go look around. All this would reveal to you is information that you are about to get in the very next scene, so I don't think this counts. Scene number three, you fight Cavalier in a big room with no cover. The robot is not specifically noted as being immune to stealth, 
but it has a special tracking computer. There's no cover in the room. It's electrified, so you can't really like sneak up on it to attack it that way. You just get shocked. Likewise, there's no real cover to use, no opportunity for stealth in the fight with the Nazi goons. And in any case, your objective is first to fight Cavalier, then to fight the Nazis. Hiding doesn't really accomplish anything. I guess, theoretically, you could use stealth as a means to get to the remote control that Nick Fury dropped. No one's particularly trying to stop you from getting to it, but like, if you're slow, I guess it would help for you to be stealthy so that you don't get picked off before you get there. But then if you get to it, you need to make a reason roll to use it, so really this is the scientist's job. And I don't begrudge the scientist. This is nothing against the scientist. Stealth expert, scientist, brick, we're all in this together against the author. So let's direct our anger appropriately. Scene number four is the pointless interrogation. I guess you could just hide in the room and watch the captives. It wouldn't accomplish anything, but neither does the interrogation. Scene number five is just research into the elite German blue da dee dum die Stealth, once again, not gonna help you there. Maybe if you have a criminal contact, they might give you a hot tip that if you break into the Albuquerque Public Library at night, you can spirit away a copy of World War II Inside and Out, All the People, All the Places, and All the Events by Hamilton Crane. But that would just be pandering on the judge's part. Scene number six, this is where you check out the security system around the not-quite-shield base to see how the intruders might have gotten in. You can use the security talent for this. It's not stealth exactly, but a stealth expert might well have the security talent, and you can use it here. Uh, however, you can also use any scientist. And there's also definitely, per the instructions at the beginning of the book, a scientist on this team. And the role to figure out what's going on here is a reason role. So once again, you might be better at this than the brick, but not as good as the scientist. Scene seven, this is where you confront Klaus Kruppmann in his lab. It is flatly stated to be impossible to get to here or certain other locations on the not quite shield base until 30 minutes after the attack on the testing floor, unless you have special transportation powers like teleportation or whatever. So unless your stealth takes the form of some special mobility power, the text just outright says you can't sneak into this room. If you do sneak in, nothing will be accomplished because Kruppmann doesn't do anything until he's confronted, which requires coming out of hiding or at least yelling at him from the shadows, if that's more your style, at which point he opens fire with a laser rifle and tries to run for it. And in that scenario, hiding does you no good, you need to jump him. If you just observe him, nothing happens. In scene number eight, Nick Fury calls you into his office to give you clues. You could hide, but it won't stop him talking. In scene number nine, you go to Kruppmann's mansion. The doors are locked, and you can pick those locks. However, breaking down the doors with your strength is the same intensity feat as picking the locks, so the brick is going to be better at this than you, unless your lock-picking ability is better than the brick's strength, which seems unlikely in a superhero game. And even if it is better, there's no advantage to getting through these doors either quickly or subtly. The house is abandoned, no one else is coming, and it never matters if anyone knew you were here. So, stealth, no advantage. In scene 10, you go to the time machine under San Diego. In scene 11, you use the time machine and it sends you to the wrong place and you have to go rescue Bulldozer, Anthony Holland, and the late great Contigo Berenger from a Nazi attack. Fortunately for the team, the time machine is in a gully. So when you come out of it, the Nazis aren't expecting you. So you automatically get a surprise round to get the jump on them with no stealth roll needed. I mean, I guess you could roll dice for your own amusement, but there's no advantage to be gained here. The team needs to immediately and physically intercede with the Nazis and they already have the advantage of stealth automatically. Scene number 12, you meet the invaders and split up to find the super weapon. You have to cooperate with the invaders plan because you don't have any transportation without them. And the text specifically says if the players have the idea of, for example, stealing a plane using, for example, stealth and espionage and infiltration skills, the GM should tell the players that that idea is stupid until they give up. Throughout this adventure, the stealth expert can suck it, but in this scene, the stealth expert can especially suck it. In scene number 13, the raid on Hitler's bunker, our heroes parachute 
down to the bunker. There is no call at this stage for stealth. In scene 14, you do in fact sneak up on the Nazis through the forest if you decide to take the direct approach to the bunker. However, the stealth roll that's required to get through the forest is easy enough for the average character to get it, and whether or not you get surprised in the Nazis depends on whether anyone on the team failed a stealth roll, which means the best that your stealth ability is contributing here is that your odds of being the one who blows the easy stealth check are substantially lower. But yeah, one person being invisible as four people sneak through the woods is not of great importance. You could possibly roll stealth to do one of the diversions that's discussed here, where you can draw five of the Nazi guards off by using stealth to trick them into leaving their post. But if you fail a stealth roll, you also draw five people off to come find your clumsy ass in the woods. So being extremely good at stealth in this scene is literally as good as being extremely bad at stealth in this scene. Once you get to the bunker, the invaders will insist that you not split up, not post a lookout, and all walk together, which means that you will be ambushed no matter how stealthy you are, per the instructions of rookie Captain America. Thanks a lot, Steve. Scene 15 is basically the same thing, stealth checks, except the stealth checks are even easier, which means that your high skill in stealth is even less useful. In scene 16, you are brainwashed by Red Skull and forced to fight your teammates in a labyrinth, where there is a real possibility of a player character killing another player character. As far as I can tell, this is the only scene where your stealth might really be useful. It's you against other player characters in a maze. There's cover, there's sneaking, it's a game of cat and mouse, and the stakes are high because the brainwashed heroes are trying to kill the others. If you are one of the brainwashed Nazi heroes, your stealth skill might really come in handy here to help you kill other player characters on behalf of Hitler. So if you're into that sort of thing, good job that you played the stealth expert. The Reich thanks you. Scene number 17, Searching Hitler's Bunker. Uh, there aren't many guards here. The text assumes that you'll fight them all. It's conceivable that you could sneak past all of them, but as soon as you have a second encounter in the bunker anywhere, all the guards flood to that spot. So unless you want to make a stealth mission out of this and avoid every single Nazi guard or all but one of them, you're going to end up fighting everybody in the bunker. Also, if the judge is paying attention to character motivations, they'll remember that the reason the invaders didn't want to split up in here in the first place is because they don't trust the modern-day heroes around whatever secret tech might be in the bunker, so the invaders probably won't let you split off. But honestly, that objection was such an obvious kludge earlier to force the team to fall into that trap that the judge is probably going to forget about that now and just let you wander off if you want to. Scene number 18, now we're into Romania. Sneak it up through the woods to the castle? No roll necessary. Spying on the truck with the Nazi weather squad in it? No stealth roll necessary. There's no need to roll for stealth when the GM wants you to succeed, and no need to roll when he doesn't want you to succeed because you'll just fail. Now, you do have an opportunity here to turn the Romanian leg into a stealth mission by attacking the Nazi weather squad and stealing their clothes, but to do that, you do have to attack them, not just hide from them. And when you attack them, you automatically get surprised because you are already automatically stealth. So once again, no advantage from being a stealth expert. Finally, in scenes 19 and 20, no matter what you do, you end up in that one trapped dark hallway Whoever is firing that knockout laser spots you no matter how stealthy you are, and you get KO'd with no chance to defend yourself no matter who you are. If you've disguised yourself as a Nazi, you'll be able to walk past some of the guards instead of fighting them. This requires no stealth roll or roll of any kind, because this is a plan that the designer likes, therefore it cannot fail. And if you're a weird-looking stealth character, like a Nightcrawler, who had to hide in the back of the Nazi truck as part of this stealth mission, and so you were looking expectantly at the judge, like, with your dice, ready to roll stealth when the Nazi guard searched the truck, they don't search the truck, because once again, the designer wants you to succeed in this scene, so there are no rules. Nowhere in this adventure, as far as I can tell, is there any advantage to be gained, even in scenes that are explicitly about stealth, in being good at stealth. And this page is the final slap in the face. 
the dumbest thing on this page is that this medieval castle has two giant fucking metal hanger doors that you cannot possibly find or sneak through from any direction. It is simply impossible because the designer doesn't want you to. It's just as simple as that. And that's a standard egregious level of railroading for this adventure. But the temerity to demand that the team include a stealth character and then pull this shit where you're never allowed to sneak around to any advantage, even in a scenario where stealth would be far and away the most effective way to approach a challenge, this is the kind of shit that makes you rip up a character sheet. If I'm playing a true stealth expert, like a ninja type character, who's all stocked up with like the espionage talent and mystical invisibility, and I got my climbing power so I can go anywhere silently, and I've got night vision and enhanced senses so that I can really pick up everything on my scouting missions, and I case this castle, and then I have it sprung on me in this scene that, oh, by the way, there are two huge fucking metal hanger doors to the outside that you missed, and instead you decided to go down that one hallway with the hastily installed laser trap in the ceiling that you had no chance to notice. At that point, the author, the judge, and this useless ninja can go fuck themselves in that order. But, of course, I'm screaming into the void here because the designer is just determined that we are going to have a big fucking fight on this flight deck, no matter what the cost. Join me next time for a full-page illustration of just that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.